Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Michelle Evans. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Henry. I'm excited to have you. We're going to talk about... uh, marketing funnels specifically. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you about Michelle. Absolutely. I'm excited. Uh, Michelle is a business owner and uh, a marketing expert and a podcaster as well. She walked away from her global marketing strategy role at Microsoft back in 2012 after a successful 16-year corporate career spanning many different industries. She now, in her business, works with other business owners, coaches, consultants, experts, speakers, authors, and other solopreneurs and other small business owners. And she helps them to go from simply surviving to, as she says, predictably sold out. Uh, She uses her 20 plus years of successful marketing experience to help her clients create income producing, client generating, stress reducing, we'll talk about that very specifically, marketing funnels. And we'll explain what we mean by a marketing funnel. I think most of us have a general idea nowadays of what that means, but we're going to dive into that. Michelle's been featured in uh, publications such as Miracy, Huffington Post, Online Marketing Made Easy, and 30 plus other places over the internet. And she's worked with household names like Microsoft, LinkedIn, and others as either a well-paid employee or as she does now as a consultant. As I mentioned, she's the host of a weekly podcast called The Marketing Funnel Show. Michelle lives in the Seattle, Washington area, I believe. We'll confirm that in a moment. And so today we're going to chat with her interesting journey. She transitioned, as I explained, from a well-paid corporate position to starting her own business. So I want to chat with her about that. And then we'll dive into marketing funnels and what that is and how you can build and use marketing funnels to grow your business. Michelle Evans, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, great. Good to have you with us. And you are in Washington, right? Or uh, Seattle area, rather. I am in the Seattle area. I live in Microsoft's backyard. That's right. So is that what took you out there originally? Well, no, I grew up here. Uh, okay. There were just a lot of opportunities. I didn't have to move away. Yeah, no, no doubt. You live uh, outside Seattle. I know that area a little bit, and it's beautiful out there. What part of Seattle do you live in? Yeah, so if you know this area, I actually live in Woodenville, which is okay. where over 100 wineries and uh, micro distilleries are. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, convenient or detrimental, depending on the situation. <laughs> yes, it's a very happy place. Yes, I can imagine, and especially those rainy days that uh, we seem to think that happen all the time when we don't live up there. But yeah, well, you can spread that that lie. <laughs> That's right. And everybody tells me that. Everybody I talk to from Seattle says that. It's like you know what? Let them keep that perception. Let's slow mm-hmm. down the growth. We've got plenty of people up here already, right? That's true. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about your your transition, your corporate experience, and then transitioning. You, the last position I think you had was with Microsoft and had a, a very successful, as you said, well paid career, no doubt, in the marketing in the corporate side of it. So, what were you doing at Microsoft, and then what what built up to you deciding to go on your own? Yeah, those are great questions. Well, I have to be honest because I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but when I went to college and I graduated, I thought, you know, the only way you could start a business or be successful in business is if you had millions of dollars. Mm. Like for some reason, I just had this thought in my head that you could only like be big or be nothing. Right. And so I, even though I wanted to be an entrepreneur, I went on this employee journey and I'm glad for it because I got a lot of great experience. But the last few years, especially at working at Microsoft, I had amazing opportunities, fantastic, huge budgets that I was working with, big impact. I kept winning all these awards, but I was really unhappy. And I just kept feeling like, you know, is this really all there is? Is is all that I'm doing chasing after a bigger paycheck, a bigger bonus, more stock, and, you know, a few awards? Or am I called to something else? And 
the last few years that I was there, I really started exploring other things. So I went and I got my coaching certification and I was, you know, just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And, um, it actually so happened that during that time I got pregnant with my third child and I won this huge award like a week after he was born. And so in, on my maternity leave, I went in to get my award. And then I was talking with my, my boss at the time about my annual review. And he's like, Michelle, you've been amazing. You know, you've got this huge award and bonus this year, but I have to tell you, since you're on maternity leave, we're not going to support that for you next year. I mean, the max you're going to get is middle of the road. And I just sat there like, I felt like somebody had kicked me in the stomach. Yeah, I was, it was so, definitely a slap in the yeah. face, wasn't it? I was like, are you kidding me? I, because I had a baby, now suddenly you're going to make me pay the maternity tax after I've done all of these things that made you look like a rock star. And, you know, I was mad. Like if I was a cartoon character, I would have had steam coming out of my ears. And I made the decision in that moment. I was like, this is it. Like I've been feeling the pull and unhappy for quite a while, but it was never to the point where I was like, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> and that moment was that moment. Like mm -hmm. I could have either said, yes, I'm done. Or, you know, I'm just, this is just going to be my life for the rest of my life. Right. I'm just going to let somebody else decide what I'm worth and, you know, it, that I can have opportunities or that I can't. And I said, no, I, you know, I went home that night and opened my business. And that was in August of 2011. And I had been thinking about starting a business seriously since 2008. And Henry, I have to tell you, I, I thought I had to have everything all figured out. Like I thought I had to have the perfect business name, the perfect logo, a great website that I had to have, um, you know, products and programs and services all figured out. And so from 2008 to 2011, I was just like, I don't know what that thing is. Like, I don't know who, what that thing is. So I don't, I can't leave. Right. So for a long time, that was my excuse. And in that moment, when my boss said that to me and I was just like, I'm done and I'm going to figure it out. It was like, a. a I flipped the switch. Yeah. I became a different person. And I was like, I don't care if I don't have a website or a logo or anything figured out. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, I simply, you simply could not do that anymore. Exactly. I couldn't let somebody else tell me what I was worth simply because I was on maternity leave. Right. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, I went home that night and I opened my business, but I didn't actually leave my job for, uh, that was in August. I didn't leave until January. And from August to January, I spent that time um, doing a lot of networking. I was like, I better figure out what, pe what people are going to want to pay me for. <laughs> um, and so I just started, you know, connecting with people whom I'd worked with, who I knew, and just saying, look, here's what I'm thinking about doing. You know, have you ever hired anybody to do this kind of work? If so, what were you looking for? Like, I was just basically doing some market research over lunch breaks, right? Mm -hmm. And through that process, I actually booked myself out with so much business that when I left my job in January of 2012, I actually stepped right into more than enough income to to um, cover what I had just stepped away from. Wow. Yeah, that's that's tip, definitely not common. So that's fantastic that you were able to do that. And it was uh, marketing-related work from the start, or was it something else? Actually, it was two things. So I couldn't decide. I couldn't figure out like what I really wanted to do. So I did some marketing consulting. And so I just consulted back at Microsoft and at other places where I knew people, right? I didn't, um, I didn't even have a website. I didn't even have a formal offer of anything. I just was networking using LinkedIn. But then on the other hand, I decided that I was going to do some coaching as well. So I was a certified coach. I, I liked coaching. I just wasn't sure how I could attract people in my coaching business. So I did both and it was 
you know, you know I know we're going to talk about some mistakes. That was one of the big mistakes that I made. Trying to do both things. What, what type of coaching are we talking about specifically? At that time, it was career coaching. Okay. Because I had been really successful at Microsoft. Right. I was in their high potential program. And so people... Uh, so I had a lot of great insights into what it took to be successful in the corporate area. And so I was leveraging that, but, uh, but I didn't love it. I, I didn't love helping people figure out how to have better jobs because I realized that my heart really was in yeah. entrepreneurship. That's right. Yeah. There, there does become a disconnect there, obviously, naturally. Uh, did you keep this quiet to yourself while you were doing this on the side from anybody at Microsoft? No. Well, I mean, Microsoft's massive, right? So I didn't tell anyone on my team and I didn't tell anyone, um, you know, that I worked for that I was doing this. Uh, but I, but I definitely leveraged my broader network there. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. All right. I want to go back to obviously that when that moment happens that your boss tells you you're not going to get the same bonus, we're going to penalize you because you're going to have another child essentially. That was one of those proverbial moments, but there, what was leading up to it, I want to go back to what, what was it that you were not happy with that you can think back now and articulate better? What, what was it? Was it some of those same things that somebody else dictating how much you could make or was it freedom of time? What were the things that were starting to really bother you about working for somebody else? Yeah. Um, so at the time, if you had asked me that, Henry, at the time, I would not have been able to tell you. I would have been like, I don't know what's wrong with me. You know, everything's so great. I don't know what's wrong. But looking back and having done a lot of personal growth um, work on myself, what, what I didn't like was having to ask permission to do stuff. I didn't like having to, you know, sell my ideas to bosses and get their yeses before I could move forward on projects I was passionate about. I didn't like being told who I could work with and who I couldn't work with. Like I just, I did not like asking permission. It drove me bananas. Has that always been your personality? Yes. <laughs> so it's a control thing as it was for me to an extent. Is that fair? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, um, I love to have impact with people. I do not want anybody to control who I work with, what kind of projects I work on, when I have to work, like none of that. What did you, and you've touched on it a little bit, but what did you, if you could place yourself back then, what did you fear most about making that transition to now being your own boss? Um, it, it was the unknown. There was just so many things that I didn't know or that I felt like I didn't know and that I felt like I had to figure out before I could do it. Uh, but then that's the catch 22, right? Because you can't really figure it out until you're in it. Right. <laughs> and so for me, it was more, um, will I be able to attract clients? Like who's going to actually want to pay me? What do they even want to pay me for? How do I even talk about what I do and what my, what my offers are? You know, just trying to boil down 16 years of corporate experience into an offer or a course or something was really hard for me. Yeah, I can see that. What uh, you mentioned, you know, one of the early mistakes was trying to do two things or be two things. Is that one of the early memories you have of what you would do differently now? Yeah. And really what it stemmed from was I was so afraid to say no to any work because I was so afraid that there wasn't more coming that I said yes to everything. And what that meant is that I went from having, you know, one boss to having 30 bosses yeah, right. <laughs> because I was saying yes to all sorts of different things that were not related at all. So I didn't have any systems with how to approach them. So every single project that I was taking on or every single client I was taking on was something new and unique that I had to figure out. And, and I just way over booked myself and that was a really good learning for me is that I need, I need to focus simply for the fact that I could have a focused approach in how I was doing my work instead of having to recreate things every single time I was starting a new project. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you, looking back, do you wish you would have made the transition earlier? Ah, that's a good question. Um, in some ways, yes. Like I really wish that I would have done it before I had kids, to be honest, because um, I, I would have had more 
uh, flexibility. Like I would, there wouldn't have been, felt like there were so many stakes, <laughs> uh, so much at stake, I guess. But, um, but on the other hand, because there was so much at stake, because, you know, we have three kids and because, you know, we need to do feed them and stay in our house and all that kind of stuff. I almost feel like it made me figure things out faster. So I don't know. It was a motivator, um, but yeah. Um, and so you were married at the time. Are you married now as well? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what was your, your husband's thought about this? What, what did, what was his thinking when you said, Hey, I'm going to leave this. Well, good, good paying job uh, and career to go start a business. What was his thought? Yeah, it took, it took a while for us to come to an agreement on that. Um, because, you know, I, in all transparency, I made more than he did. Um, and so he, we just, we had to be really honest and be like, okay, so, you know, if this doesn't work out, what's plan B? Yeah. <laughs> but the bottom, the bottom line was, I knew that I could go back to my job. If I sure. Can. Yeah. And that's always, that's always such a, a key point Yeah, uh, because, you know, I often talk about this with my clients and myself, but what's the, what would have been the worst case scenario? You, maybe you couldn't get back on with Microsoft. Maybe you could, but you certainly would have been able to find another good paying job. Is that fair? Yeah. And probably pretty quickly because I have a, a good network that I've, you know, developed over the years. And so we just said, okay, we have this much in savings. You know, I have this much already committed in terms of people who are ready to hire me as soon as I'm not an employee anymore. Uh, and it just seemed like a good time. And so I stepped out into it with his blessing. And I won't say that it was easy. Like, it's, it was a transition. I went from getting a paycheck every other, you know, twice a month to having to figure out cash flow and all that kind of stuff. But I wouldn't, it, it was such a freeing moment when I could say, no, I actually don't want that kind of work or no, I don't want to work with that person. And to know that I don't have to ask anyone's permission for that. Yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing that, that transition, the stories of that. That's uh is always interesting and, and uh, insightful. Yeah. All right, let's, let's transition to the topic we're going to talk about here, which is marketing funnels. Um, I, I tend to want to say they're online, but I guess you could have different types of funnels. But introduce to us, if you would, what, what you mean and what you help people with uh, when we're talking about marketing funnels. What, what is it? Yeah. So a marketing funnel, um, it's funny, Henry. So early in my career, I worked in banking and, you know, it's like the most steadfast <laughs> old school kind of marketing that you could do. Right? right. We did newspaper ads and TV and radio and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we didn't call them marketing funnels then. In fact, uh, we call them campaigns. And so, you know, when I say the term marketing funnels, people a lot of times think, oh, you know, this is so complicated and new and, and online, but let's, let's just go back. Um, you know, when I was a kid, we would get newspapers delivered to our house and in there, they would have like the BMG, the, the music subscriptions, right? Right. Where you could get, you know, like 10 CDs, for a penny and then you had to over the course of a year buy like five more or something. You remember those? Oh yeah. I did it multiple times. Okay. So that's a marketing funnel. <laughs> um, that, it's an old school marketing funnel, but that's what it is. It's basically, you know, hooking somebody in and, and giving them an offer and then continuing to cultivate that over time right. and build demand and all that kind of stuff. That's yeah, a good so, analogy. So, I mean, that, that one penny offer wasn't maybe quite a lead magnet, but it got my attention. It got yep. me. And of course I had to unsubscribe. So that's, it's, it's a bad example. We don't tend to, you know, we don't tend to do those kind of practices anymore or people see through those more, but, yep. but yeah, it got my attention with the near free offer and then I wanted more. Yeah. And it worked like gangbusters for them. I, and as you said, you know, we've evolved. It, the, our marketing funnels now are much better than that, but yeah. that's a simple example of things that have been around for a long time. So a marketing funnel is really, it's a way for you to attract the right kind of people into your business 
who ultimately can become buyers. And what I mean by that is, you know, not all traffic is made the same, right? Um, you know, some traffic is just kind of passing through and some traffic are the traffic that you want to, to bring to you. So if you think about, you know, I, I always see like the little Caesars people standing on the corner with the mm -hmm. pizza signs. Have you ever seen those? Oh yeah, sure. And they're just standing there at rush hour saying, you know, hot and ready, uh, whatever it is, two, two pizzas for 10 bucks or whatever, come in right now, right? And they're, they're, you know, by me, there's oodles of traffic. And so they're in front of thousands and thousands and thousands of cars for the couple hours that they're out there. And, you know, I don't know, maybe 1% of them turn in, I don't even know. But they do it day after day after day. And I always think, gosh, you could, you could do your marketing so much more effectively than just standing there with a sign and being like, come get it, come get it, come get right. it. Yeah, I mean, it's a shot. We, we tend to do that as small business owners more so than not. It's that shotgun approach to let me try to reach everybody. And of yeah. course, we don't have the budget to do so, even if it made sense. That's right. And um, it, it, yeah, because you don't have to have a huge, I mean, it doesn't cost a lot to have somebody, you know, stand on the corner with a sign, but is it effective or could you be taking that time and effort and doing something much more effective? And that's, that's bas basically what a marketing funnel is, is who are my buyers? Where are they at? And what is something that's going to capture their attention and get them to pay attention to me so that I can bring them towards me? Now, if you're selling a, you know, two for $10 pizza, it's not as hard right. as, you know, if you're selling a $10,000, you know, piece of jewelry. Yeah. I mean, the, the pizza is impulsive. I'm hungry or it's dinner time. I'll go get a pizza. Right. And so right. you're going to attract me with some kind of a call to action offer, like a coupon or a discount or the two for one, as you mentioned. And so there it's a matter of getting in front of me so that I see it. But most of us have businesses where, to your point, it takes longer to cultivate that relationship before somebody buys. Exactly. And so, you know, what works for one kind of business might not work for another. And that's part of what makes marketing and marketing funnels challenging is that you really need to understand who is that buyer. All right. So then you, you clarify and say you help people build strategic marketing funnels. Uh, I'm sure you've, you've been touching on some of them, but what are some of the key differences? What makes it strategic? Yeah, so strategic means that we're not out there just waving signs at everybody, right? <laughs> we're not out there just posting, blasting Facebook ads to everybody that we can find. It's more about knowing who is my buyer and what is the pain that they have? That's, that's kind of how you start to be strategic is saying, what is the pain? Are they hungry? You know, are they looking for a beautiful piece of jewelry? Are they needing to redesign their house? Like, what is the pain that's driving them to look for something like what I offer? And um, a lot of times, Henry, what I see with my clients and with my students is that we're talking about offers when people are stuck at their pain. Like, they're like, I'm not ready to talk about, you know, your interior design skills I need to figure out why is my house so dark and why does it feel so not like me? Like, you know, that's a pain. And so if somebody's saying, hey, I'll, I'll give you an hour consultation for free, they're not ready for that consultation yet. So, and, so what are they ready for? Are they ready for more information to help me understand why I'm feeling that way or why I have that pain? Or, yeah. or is it about helping me, uh, making me feel like I'm not alone in that pain? Is, is that part of what I start to do there instead of going for the clothes? Yeah. And again, so it's going to depend on what kind of thing you're selling, right? Right. So let's just take this interior design, right? Right. And, and let's say that the interior designer wants to sell a, a package that's, I don't know, maybe $7,500, right? And it includes all sorts of things, but a space evaluation is one of those things. Um, so instead of leading with that, you could lead with, you know, find out uh, find out what kind of um, home environment makes you feel the best or find out, uh, you know, you could like have a quiz or you could have some sort of uh, questionnaire about 
you know, what, what would make you feel most at home? What would make your home feel like home? Right. And, and after they get the results of that, then you could start saying, you know, sometimes it's really hard to do this on your own. So you're, you're strategically like opening the door to this conversation in a really personalized way. Right. And I'm, and I'm giving away a lot of, I say the term giving away because traditionally we, that's the way we feel sharing a lot of information that I might otherwise feel like, Oh, wait a second. I can't, I can't give that away, but that's what we have to do in these cases to get people to develop trust with us. When you do it strategically. Okay. So tell me the difference there. Sometimes what I find, so have you ever heard about the five levels of customer awareness? Yes. Okay. And, and have right, you let's, let's to- cover them briefly for people yeah. listening who may not remember them. Yeah. Yeah. So the five levels of customer awareness are really important to know for your marketing. And basically like level five, those are people who don't even care about what you're doing. Like they don't, uh, let's just use headache medicine. This is a famous example. It's not my example. So if you, if you sell headache medicine, Somebody in level five is somebody who's never had a headache, thinks headaches are, you know, baloney and that, you know, why would I ever, ever even care about your headache medicine? Cause I never will need it. So we don't talk to those people because they don't, they don't want or need what we have. But level four people are people who are like, you know what? I get headaches a lot. In fact, you know, I'll probably get one in the next week. Right. And so they have a pain. I get headaches a lot. And so what your job is, is to take them from that pain to your headache medicine is the right medicine for them. So you go from level four to level three to level two to level one. And um, it's not super complicated, but you do have to know who your buyers are. So in our example of interior design, if somebody's like, ugh, I come home and it just, it just doesn't feel like me. Like this just feels like a shell of a house and not me that's a pain. So they're at level four and they're just like, you know, I'm just not loving what I'm doing. I don't really, I don't really want to move, but, but my home doesn't feel like me. And, and so your job is to take them from that pain to say, wow, there could be an opportunity to make this home feel more like me. And it might be something that I could easily do, or I could have somebody help me do. And if you just start like bombarding people with choosing paint colors or furniture shopping, or I don't know, whatever, lighting fixtures or whatever, they're not ready for that conversation yet. And is that why, is that why leading there with a free consultation doesn't necessarily help because that's what we'll be talking about. I'll be bombarding that person with ideas and they're not ready for that. Is that why that's premature? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, a small percentage of people will be ready for it, but very few because they haven't, you know, if you're selling something that um, like interior design, that's not something that people wake up in the morning and say, I really need to go hire an interior designer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, most people don't have that thought. So you need to help them understand how you can help them and how you can solve their problem and how you can make their home feel amazing and like, you know, and just like them. So they are proud to have people come over. So let's talk about some specific examples. You've already mentioned some, you know, some kind of an evaluation or a survey. Uh, it could also be some kind of a, a guide that I download, you know, three tips for, for helping me decide if I need an interior decorator or three things to whatever, you know, the, the listicle type approach. Are those the type of things that you would put kind of towards the top of the funnel that then lead to, okay, I'm interested. The customer says, or potential client says, I might be interested. And then I proceed to maybe something like a free consultation. Yeah. And so I would back it up even one more. Okay. Um, so I have a kind of a three pronged approach to funnels. So the first, the first piece is warming people up and warming people up is actually going out and sharing stories. Um, so in this instance with our fictional, uh, interior designer, 
like this person could be sharing before and afters of projects that she's worked on. This person could be sharing, um, sharing a story about uh, how transforming a room in her own place, you know, what had such an impact on her um, or on a client. Like there, there could be a lot of things, but it's just sharing like what's possible. And she or he, he or she is doing that through uh, a podcast appearance, a blog post, uh, a video, uh, any kind of different way where she is sharing with that potential audience. Um, here's my experience in this area. Is that yep. Right? Yep. Social media, whatever feels most right. comfortable, but yeah, making sure to get the story out there because right. then you're going to be attracting the right kind of people. And what I would say, Henry is figure out where you're, where your potential clients are. Right. And let, let's back up to that because I, you know, obviously to me that's, and it is certainly, as you know, better than I, where so many small business owners struggle is forget about funnels or whatever, before you do any kind of marketing, before you start your business, ideally, or as you evolve it, you need to identify who your buyer is. So yep. that's a given. And then understanding their pain. Um, so I, I think we, I get that. I want to make sure everybody's clear on that. This approach now to getting them to come to you is what we're calling this construct of a marketing funnel, specifically a strategic marketing funnel. And these, these early points of sharing stories are about getting the attention of the people who need this. They may not have even clearly articulated yet, but they've got this pain, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, mm -hmm. that good so far? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, humans, we love stories. So we'll pay attention to stories. We'll, you know, and, and I gave an example of an interior designer, but Henry, I, I spent in 2015, I was in this um, group that really pushed us to do a lot of speaking. And I went to over 50 events in, uh, in about nine months and I would get up on stage and I would give a talk and I would have people running up to me and giving me their business card. And I'd come home from these events with giant stacks of business cards. And I was, you know, the speaker at the event and I would start calling people and saying, Hey, you know, would you like to talk about doing marketing? And they'd be like, no, I like, I don't, I don't even know what I would do with you. And so I, like, I've personally lived this. And it wasn't until I put a marketing funnel in place and started sharing some of my um, kind of messier stories or the pains or whatever that people were like, okay, she knows, she knows what I'm going through and she has a way out of this. And right, let me see if I can piece that together because there's a lot there. Yeah. So you're saying that even though you were doing those speaking engagements and people loved what you had to say, they, they loved you while you were on stage they, they still hadn't bridged that connection of understanding how you could help them. Yes. They didn't make the connection of how I could help them. And they also didn't see how, like they didn't see themselves as the kind of client that I would work with. Mm -hmm. So how now applying that to a strategic marketing funnel, you still share stories through different mediums. Or you, you're mm -hmm. on a podcast here today, for example, sharing a story, sharing, and people are listening and connecting with you. Some of them will, some of them won't. Um, so, so what is next in a typical funnel for you? And I know we're jumping around examples, but I'm just no, that's okay. Link to understand your point about when you were doing those speaking engagements. You were getting a lot of attention, but nothing that turned into a client. There was that nothing that turned step. into a client, yeah. not until I put into place a, a marketing funnel. Yeah. And here's why, because I was making this jump from warm up to sell. <laughs> and there's this huge gulf between that a bridge needs to be built across. Right. So when they were, when you were contacting them, following them up, you were going for the closer, the sell, and they weren't ready. Well, what I would follow up with is like, Hey, you know, let's talk about your marketing and how I could help you. And I they'd see. be like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So what's different now in your funnel that's in between those, those two stages, if you will, or those two steps. Yeah. And so it's a really important step and it's inviting them in and inviting them in, as we were talking about, is that lead magnet. So it's that quiz, that questionnaire, that, you know, three tips, however you want to invite people in and it's inviting them in 
to set the stage for the ultimate sales conversation, right? So if I want to get people on the phone, I'm inviting them in and setting the stage for having a phone consultation for me. If I want to, you know, have them visit my store, I would be setting the stage for visiting my store. If I wanted to, you know, have them uh, come see me at an event, I would be setting the stage for that. So it's whatever the ultimate outcome is, is what I want to use for my lead magnet. And then I want to use that opportunity to continue moving the conversation forward so that they can see themselves in the pain. They can see themselves um, getting that solved with me. And then they just start to build trust and to see how my approach could really help them. Yeah. I see a lot of people getting stuck at this part of it of creating the content that becomes your, your lead magnet. Yeah. You know, whether it's the download or the article or the guide or whatever it might be, or the survey, how, how do you guide people and do you help people with creating that content or where, where do you guide a business owner says, I, I don't know how to write. I don't have time to do it. And so that doesn't get done. And they stop, yeah. right? They're paralyzed at that point. Yeah. Well, and um, the first thing I would say is you don't have to write. You can do video, you can do audio. <laughs> like there's a lot of ways that you can do it. You could also, you know, hire somebody to do it from Upwork and there's, amazingly talented people on there that love to do this stuff. But what I do, uh, I have um, a process called the Funnel Persuasion Playbook. And what we really do is we go through and identify what are those pains and what are the things that we need people to believe in order to be ready to buy whatever we're selling. So in the case of, you know, our interior designer, what are the pains that people have? Like, I don't like my space. It doesn't feel like me. I don't even know how to get started. I don't have a good design sense. I'm not sure, you know, what kind of, where I should start. Is it paint? Is it, you know, like these are all questions, pains that people would have for this interior designer. And so, you know, that interior designer needs to decide, okay, which one of those can I kind of dangle a, a free I don't know, guide or quiz or whatever out there to really bring people in. And then how can I help them build belief that they don't have to know all about pink colors. They don't have to know how to get started. All they have to do is get on the phone with me because this is what I love to do. And this is what I do for people. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and, and going back to your point about video, I think is a good one. The challenge I often hear uh, or the the pushback is they think people think they got to create these highly polished professional videos mm-hmm. and, or, you know, they hate the sound of their voice. They don't think they look good on camera. And I, I, I tell people, you got, you got to get over that because in fact, I think people respond better to stuff that's not highly polished and we just got to get started. What are your thoughts on that? I don't think that I know that. <laughs> So I run Facebook for people who have marketing funnels. I run Facebook ads and I can tell you, Henry, I have done thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of ads for videos. And the ones that perform best are what I lovingly term ugly videos. (laughs) (laughs) Like these are the videos that feel either like I'm, getting a behind the scenes sneak peek or that I'm getting sort of the real, the real you, or I'm getting, um, uh, just the, the uh, honest, authentic, I hate that word, but it's true. Like the, the real truth. Um, when people see polished videos and, and I'll tell you, because I have run really polished videos, like professionally produced videos against videos that are done on an iPhone. And for, for the same company, for the same offer, the one done on the iPhone and, and this particular person did an iPhone video in front of a pen of cows. So there's like wind and cows mooing and all sorts of stuff in this iPhone video. That one crushed the professionally produced one. And I am not, it's not even, I can't disclose their, um, their actual numbers, but it wasn't even close. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's so interesting. It's fascinating. But I, I think it's, as you've spoken to, I think most people now, 
very quickly see past the polish and the corporate veneer yeah. and they don't trust that. We, none of us do. That's why social media has become such a powerful platform for marketing, but you, but you have to use it the right way. You have to in turn be genuine and, and transparent as possible or people pick up on that right away. Yeah. And you also need to produce content. So, so part, I mean, both the videos for that particular client, we're talking about a pain, but the highly polished one was so polished that it was like the connection was gone. The, the one in front of the cow pen, this, this was, um, it was connecting with people at just a really different level. And I think people felt like, oh my gosh, this is a real person <laughs> who really does live on a ranch. Like this is, he's not making this stuff up. And, um, and people just tend to believe you a lot more. Like they'll listen in a different way because you're relatable. Yeah. All right. Now this structure that we've been talking about of a marketing funnel doesn't necessarily have to live online in the in the technical format that we think of it on a landing page, and we'll talk more about that. It, it can simply be an approach that I take as we've laid out in how how I go about attracting a prospective customer and then guiding them through the process to where they're ready to buy. Is that is that fair in your opinion? That is. Yeah. Now, if I do render it online, then we're talking about things, I think, like landing pages and opt-ins and, and, and facilitating those downloads or access to that lead magnet type of content. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So what do you think about tools? I use a tool, a very popular tool called ClickFunnels, and there are others like that that help me build those landing pages without any technical knowledge or very little technical knowledge. What's your thoughts on that or, or just generally how I go about building these online funnels? Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, I love ClickFunnels. I use it as well. It's really, really empowering to know that you don't really need to know a lot about designing, you know, websites or anything like that. In fact, I have an entire part of my business that lives only on ClickFunnels. So I have an entire product uh, and program that lives completely on ClickFunnels and, um, and I didn't have to hire like web designers and all this kind of stuff to make it fancy or anything because it's so easy to do. Right. And you know, technology has come a long way since I first launched my very first website back in 2012. It's so much easier these days. And so a lot of times people will say, Oh, you know, I'm so overwhelmed by all this stuff, but um, but like click funnels and, you know, there's others like lead pages and optimized press and stuff where it's really just click and type. It's like word. Yeah. So it's, it's a great tool, but the challenge is, and then you know this very well, that I could end up spending a bunch of money on tools. And at the end of the day, though, it's not going to create the content for me, right? right. I, I still have to come up with the words. I still have to do the work initially to identify my buyer and what is their pain and write good copy as, as the term goes to attract those people. And that's where I see people get stuck. So, so what do I need to do there? I, I need to get help, obviously. And it's similar to who's going to create this lead magnet content, right? Mm -hmm. But it's the same challenge. I'm sure you see people every day get stuck with, all right, I have all the tools, but now I still don't have any content. Yeah. So the thing that I always say is it, it always, it comes back to what are you selling and who is your buyer? So if you go back and you, um, you know, if somebody says, I don't know what to offer for a lead magnet, here's what I would say, Henry, go to Facebook or LinkedIn or, you know, Quora or somewhere where people are asking questions about what you offer, you know, for our interior designer. And I know cause locally I, I see it. We have, you know, a local community Facebook group and people will say, Hey, you know, I'm looking for this kind of service. Like I'm looking for somebody who can cut down my trees and you know, whatever, or I'm looking for somebody who can, do some interior decorating for me. 
see what people are asking for. Like specifically, what kind of questions are they asking of anybody who responds to that? Mm-hmm. Because those are the kinds of questions that are that are top of their mind that they're looking for. Hey, do you have something for me? And so, you know, for me in my own business, marketing is such a huge, broad term, and even marketing funnels is a huge, broad term. So, what I like to do is do just this: I go into various Facebook groups and I see what questions people are asking, and then I create a resource that goes with it. And that resource might be a blog post or a podcast episode or a free download or something like that. But it's just, basically, it's just opening the door to giving you a shot at having that conversation. Yeah, that's a great tip. I mean, it could be, you know, three things to ask someone that you hire to trim your trees or three things to consider before having your trees trimmed. Um, And you could just offer some, you know, general guidance. And so that's an example of a quick prompt that you got by listening to what people are searching for and then creating a piece of content off of it that becomes a lead magnet. Yeah, that information is all out there. People are raising their hands and asking these questions. You just have to tune into what they're asking and how you can um, kind of step up and answer it in a way that gets them to want to engage with you. Yeah, love it. All right, so summarize for us the, we've touched on some of it, but the services that you offer your clients. Yeah, so I, um, well, I have a course called Build Your Funnel Bootcamp that really takes people through this process of how to identify those things, what kind of content to create, all that kind of stuff. That's probably one of my favorite ways to engage with people, but I also work with people one-on-one to uh, build funnels out. And funnels, I just see them as the engine that drives your business. It's the engine that brings in clients consistently. And so it's one of my favorite, it's one of my favorite things to do. It's what I think about and what I do all day long, every day. Yeah. Wonderful. And, and so if we look at, for example, the example of you going on podcasts like mine, mm-hmm. you do this because first, you know, you're like me, you love talking about business and sharing the story and sharing knowledge. But this is, if you look at your funnel, coming on a show like mine is at the top of that funnel is sharing your story. Is that fair? Yes. And then something like on your website, you've got an online marketing funnel quiz. It's a free quiz that I can take. Would, would that be a good example of a lead magnet that, that I, you might send me to here? And that gives me a little bit more, but you're not asking me to spend any money with you, but it, gives, it helps me better understand this pain that I have. Is that fair? That's fair. And then it, once you take that quiz, you'll get some video training on how to actually like I'll give you the right funnel for your business that you can just click and import into your ClickFunnels account. I'll even give you a free 14 day trial to ClickFunnels. So like I'll give you a lot and I'll give you video training on how to get it up and running. So that's again, how, you know, you start setting the stage for ultimately what's to come. And then, you know, I start talking about how, how funnels can really impact your business. Yeah. And you'll have a certain portion of people that'll take that free information and they're good. They're off. And, but there's enough of the people that not only need you, now they understand that they need your help to get this going or pieces of it, but it's also probably the type of client that you want to work with. That's right. That's right. And even some of those people who are good and they're off, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come, come back, back <laughs> they'll come and back. they'll say, now my funnel's up, but can you help me with Facebook ads? <laughs> right, right. But, but they remembered that you helped them, that you yes. shared information, right? And even what I found is even if they don't come back to you, they'll refer you. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because we didn't get to this, but uh, you know, the three part is the warm up, which we talked about. So that would be like this, inviting them in, which would be like taking the quiz And then offering more is the next step. I see. So giving them a clear path forward to how to engage with you and why is really the the last step there. And so even for people who choose not to engage with me and, and work with me and, you know, they get what they need from the free stuff, like you said, they'll refer people to me, you know, there's just lots of goodness that comes from it. Absolutely. Great stuff. All right, we'll start to wrap it up. What, what, what do you, we talked a little bit as we were talking about your transition and your journey, but what do you love most now about being your own boss? Mm, I just absolutely love that I get to choose the 
type of work I do and who I work with, and that I don't have to ask permission. Um, but even more than that, I love, you know, I, I love helping clients and students create these systems to have a consistent flow of clients and they come back to me and they're like, I always thought I was terrible at marketing until, you know, we got this in place and now it just works because for me, like, this is what I love to do, but I'm weird. Like not everybody loves marketing. And so it's fun to be able to take those skills and to really impact people in a whole different way. Yeah, that's great. That's great. All right. Uh, we chatted about both liking books. Is there a book that you would recommend to us? Yeah. For anyone who wants to build a marketing funnel or be really clear on how you talk about you and your business, I always recommend Sally Hogshead. She has a great book called How the World Sees You. Um, and she also has a really fantastic quiz. Now, this is not a free quiz. And I don't get any money for you taking this quiz. I just find it so valuable. But her quiz is How to Fascinate, and it's at howtofascinate.com. And it is one of the best tools that I have ever used, along with this book, to um, really get clear on how to talk about me and what I offer, and I use it with everyone that I know. That's great. Thanks for that recommendation. We'll have a link to it on our show notes page at thehowabusiness.com. I will wrap it up here. Last two questions. What's one thing you want us to take away, Michelle, from this conversation we've had about funnels? Yeah, I think uh, what I would love people to take away from it is, you know, not so much the tech stuff, but get into the mind of your buyer. What's their problem and how can you take them from problem to you're the person to offer a solution? Hmm, okay. And where do you want us to go online to learn more? So my digital home is at michellelevans.com and that is a great place to start where you can uh, plug in to whatever you want to from me. Yeah, great stuff there. That's where the quiz is. That's where I yeah. found it and lots of good information there. If you didn't get that, it'll be on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. Fantastic, Michelle. This has been a great conversation. I've learned quite a bit. Thanks for taking a deep dive and indulging all of my questions uh, to better understand how to use strategic marketing funnels in our businesses. Thanks for sharing and thanks for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This is Henry Lopez and you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again was Michelle Evans. We release new episodes every Monday morning and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.